Hello, and welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written and the writing process. Today's guest is a writer at Sportsnet, B-Ball Breakdown, North Pole Hoops, and he's a fellow Raptors Republic teammate. It's Vivek Jacob. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Josh. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing really good. Figuring out some technical stuff. Um, Yeah, so bumpers, what I usually... Uh, record on and use to host my podcast is shutting down, so I'm uh, figuring out exactly how to uh, get podcasts to the people right now. But uh, hopefully this works, and it'll be a bit of a process. But um, we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. So um, I wanted to have you back on because we recorded a podcast last week that's never gonna see the light of day just because um, bumpers was literally closed down like as I was going to render that audio. So. Uh, that's kind of unfortunate that we won't have uh, that podcast in which we were talking about DeMar DeRozan, um, and he's been, you know, the conversation for the last while now until it switched to uh, Kawhi Leonard, I guess, in in talking to Nick Nurse, who we're going to talk about today, but uh, also Kyle Lowry, because as soon as the nice news came out about Kawhi and Nurse having a, having a conversation, it immediately flipped to, um, you know, Kyle Lowry and his... Nah, very vague comments, I suppose, which is not new for Lowry, but a lot of people seem to be surprised that that's the way he uh, took that information or took those questions, I guess. Yeah, I'm not overly concerned by it just because it's a bit of an awkward spot for him as well. You're asking him questions about a trade where his best friend was involved and his best friend is right there at the camp with him. So it's not... Like, he can just be like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad we got Kawhi and, you know, sort of throw his best friend to the side. So I kind of get it. He said, you know, all he wanted to talk about was USA basketball, that there would be a time to talk about it. And obviously he didn't feel comfortable doing it with the Rosen around. So I don't have an issue with it. Um, Like you said, you brought up the uh, Nick Nurse-Kawhi interaction. And I'm glad that, you know, Josh Lewenberg and Dave Vestchuk were able to get that story out because it shows the value of the media actually pursuing a different story. Because, you know, if we keep harping on DeRozan and Lowry, then everyone just thinks that, oh, DeRozan won't let this go. Well, you know, maybe <laughs> stop talking to him about it. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just human nature, right? Like, whenever someone's mad about something, do you just keep going at them about it? And what are they going to say? They're going to keep yeah. saying the same thing. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, on that level, kind of glad that now we can maybe sort of move on and just focus on what this new Raptors team could be. Yeah, and I mean, like, the Ra- the Lowry thing, too. My other thing with this is, I mean, Lowry's a really smart player, and he's really competitive. He's like, I'm, I'm sure he knows how this current situation looks for the Raptors. Like, I'm sure he knows this is good. Um, there was that, like, rumor going around, I'm not exactly sure where it started, because I didn't look into it too far, but, like, you know, that he had some issue with DeRozan's defense and, like, whatever, which really isn't that much of a news story, because everyone did, because it's not like it's breaking news that DeRozan's not a great defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, La- like Lowry's not oblivious, he knows what's going on, and he knows Kawhi's a two-time defensive player of the year, and, yeah, so... I'm I'm not worried about it. There's a bunch of people that are saying he's going to be traded before the deadline. I think that's insane. So yeah, I would be surprised if that happened. Um, but who knows? Uh, I would have been surprised if DeRozan got traded too. So 
um, that happened. So I don't know. <laughs> at this point, I'm just going to wait and see. I do think yeah. this will be uh, the core group. Um, they've got to figure out some things uh, with the center spot, whether Ibaka is willing to take a back seat and come off the bench for the benefit of the team or, you know, just how they run that rotation. So if there's a trade to be made, if the, if the trade's the way to make it happen, then maybe Masai's got a bit more work up his sleeve. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the core going into the season. Yeah. Um, so what uh, I brought you on specifically for today was uh, you wrote an article for Sportsnet called What We Learned About Raptors' Nick Nurse at NBA Summer League. Um, which is cool because, you know, a lot of people, I mean, if you're a big hoops head, then you're going to watch summer league, but a lot of people don't really watch summer league, um, because they think it doesn't matter. And, you know, there are a lot of things in summer league that don't really matter. I mean, the games obviously don't really count. The stats don't really matter. Um, but that's not really what summer league's for. And there's stuff there that I think does matter. And, um, the example of Nick Nurse, like in your piece, I think, having him coach in summer league, uh, I think that does matter because there are things you see from him that, uh, you know, you like that might translate. I mean, like even just the fact that he was like a little bit rusty, I thought that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and like a cool reason for him to just, you know, say, go and say, I'm going to do this myself since most head coaches aren't coaching summer league. Yep. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, he's like, you know, he's there to test out things and, um, it's going to be a year of experimentation, so why not start that now? Yeah, I, I think uh, what will be interesting to see is how far the experimentation goes now, just because by making this move for Kawhi, uh, you're sort of, you've sort of said you're going all in on this season, so you're doing everything you can to impress Kawhi, so I know a lot of the things that Nurse has said um, during summer league, before summer league, at his introduction, uh, was about experimentation and trying different things and not being afraid to, you know, do some things that he has in, in his head that he hasn't seen play out on a court before. Um, but now, with the reality being what it is for the Raptors um, of doing everything they can to make sure uh, Kawhi is impressed with the situation here and wants to play here beyond um, the 2018-19 season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see now how much he actually commits to experimentation, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it's fascinating because the Raptors are so deep and they have, um, even like was mentioned um, in, um, God, I can't remember now who wrote that piece. Was it Lewinberg maybe the, about the nurse having six starters? That yes, it was. And he, uh, so he knows that he's got a lot of, um, a lot of talent, a lot of adjusting maybe to do um, to figure out exactly what the best lineups are. A lot of mm-hmm. egos, which is why I think that um, conversation he had with Abaka, which came out, was interesting. That Abaka seems to be open to trying some different things, which is a, a good sign because uh, I think it would have happened anyway that um, there's going to be lineups rolled out there uh, and probably starting lineups that don't have Abaka in them, um, mm-hmm. even just to try them out. Um, I mean, I personally think that Abaka is going to start the season at the four and I think you're you're gonna have OG or Green at the uh you know the two spot to whatever at the on the wing with Kawhi and uh, I think that will probably be like the 
starting lineup for the very beginning of the season, but I could see, you know, Nurse going around, even if that works well, because that lineup with the Rosen worked really well last year. Um, right. But I think, you know, I think that uh, lineup will um, switch around a lot, just as Nurse is trying to figure things out. Now, in terms of Kawhi, though, I do think, like, Kawhi's going to be part of all of that. So I don't think he has to worry too much, just like Lowry will be. So okay. um, I think that's interesting but like there's going to be a lot of lineup switches i think but it will be interesting like you're saying like if he finds something that really really works like a lot of people are really really excited about the small ball lineup with og at the four um and pascal at the five and pascal at the five yeah which i worry a little bit about that just because i i mean pascal might come in and be like have you know figured out a lot of other stuff but his rebounding is still like a bit of a problem i don't know how many minutes you want to actually log him at the five Mm -hmm. uh but yeah, I mean, but that lineup um, could blow teams off the floor defensively and, like, get out in transition and, like, be really fun. And that lineup might be really, really great. And it'll be interesting to see Nurse's reaction to, like, well, okay, so do I play this? I know this is going to work. I know it's really good. Do I continue to play this a lot or I'm gonna, or am I going to continue to experiment and try some different things and, like, maybe put that lineup to the side for a little bit knowing that it works really well? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is... You know, we always talk about uh, which starting lineup and what uh, what machinations can work there. But I think when you look at the bench unit, that's probably one thing you want to keep it together as much as possible. So obviously you've got Delon and Fred, then you've got CJ, um, Siakam, and so ideally, I think you want to go with a five because I think it'd be too small to have Siakam as the five and have mm-hmm. you know one of cj or og uh at the four i think that could be a challenge um so that's why i sort of lean towards having a conversation where ibaka is comfortable playing at the five and he's willing to come off the bench because at the end of the day i mean he could still very possibly be closing games because um, mm-hmm. we've we, we've seen over the years that Valanciunas doesn't necessarily get those late minutes, so that might be the case here. But obviously, uh, Nurse and JV have a strong relationship, so that remains to be seen. But um, yeah, I think it depends on what Ibaka is willing to do. Um, but yeah, I would definitely lean strongly towards keeping that bench unit together. Uh, I think there's enough talent in that starting. Uh, units to sort of figure things out, even if it's one out for the other. Um, but that bench unit where you, Fred's got to manage things, I think you want to give uh, that unit as much familiarity as possible. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, I think, yeah, like the chemistry is still important. There's going to be a little bit of a jostling, obviously, with the with the changes this year. So um, I, I think both Green and Kawhi. Uh, slip in pretty seamlessly honestly with what the Raptors do already mm-hmm. so that's a good sign but um I do think that there's gonna be like a little bit of a shake-up chemistry wise but so having the bench mostly intact is um a really big deal I think Ibaka at the five could be really useful there with them um but I do think uh the Raptors probably still need to bring on another big um, yeah and I think they're probably working on that now and yeah so I, I don't know who that's going to be but um, I know Blake had some ideas and his latest, his column 3000 for his mailbag, um, <laughs> which was a great read. Um, but there was, there's a few bigs around the league, like free agent big men that haven't been picked up yet. Like Trevor Booker is one of them. Um, but, uh, I think they need to bring in somebody. I, I'm, I'm kind of 
still missing Bebe myself. Yeah. Um, so one of the guys that I touched on in the article I wrote is Chris Boucher. Yeah. Um, and I thought he really impressed towards the end uh, of the summer, summer league campaign because you look at a guy that, you know, even Nick Nurse said that he didn't really understand the plays or uh, he wasn't picking them up uh, quickly enough. But what he did do was play hard and run the floor and show showcase his athleticism, which um, at the five, with the way the Raptors are looking to play, could be really useful. I mean, he stacked up the blocks during summer league. Um, he'll sort of dive in hard off pick and rolls and and he's someone that's you don't have necessarily have to worry about in terms of playing time. If he he can be that wild card guy that uh, Nogara was, so if he's playing well, you can ride him. If, if he's not, then he's going to sit on the bench, and he shouldn't have a problem with that. Um, so to your point, with guys like maybe a Trevor Booker or a Greg Monroe, that is one thing that could be an issue, right? They're veterans; they've been in the league for a long time. Um, they might have some issues with sort of just riding the pine. And so I'm, I guess, a bit more in favor of having someone that can be a bit more of a wild card just because you you don't expect this position to be much of a factor in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, that's true, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't think the Raptors are going to wind up with Greg Monroe. Um, Mm -hmm. Not only because I'm not sure he's a great, like, style fit, but um, at this point in his career, like, it doesn't seem like like, he'd be the kind of guy that really wants to be the 14th man, you know, playing emergency minutes kind of thing. Um, and also signing for the minimum would be kind of a surprise. I mean, the market for bigs is obviously not good. But, you know, I, I feel like he could still find somewhere else, unless he just wants to tag onto a contender. But it just would seem surprising um, for a guy like him. So I am also, like, really interested in um, uh, Boucher because he's... Uh, I, I I liked what I saw from him and the fact that like like you wrote in your piece like Nurse just kind of let him go you know which is one of the interesting things about the about his, his coaching in summer league was that he's like he's so willing to just like try things out and kind of trust in his players mm-hmm. um, and yeah but I, I I do think the one concern though like if you had an injury and you brought on um, uh, a new young guy like and you had to play him you know, fairly significant minutes, that might be a bit of a concern. There might be enough to spread around with, like, what you've got now with Siakam, Abaka, um, JV, but if but if one of them went down, like, somebody's got to step up from um, from somewhere down the bench, and uh, right. I, just, I just worry a little bit for a guy who hasn't, like, really played in the NBA before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I hear that. That's a legitimate concern, for sure. Yeah, but um, but excited me like what in your piece about like that that fact that Nurse is just willing to work with guys and give them a shot, and um, that's really cool. And I wonder how that's going to translate to the actual season. Yeah, and it was something that he, that he brought up that I guess no one really talked about last season was the fact that the Delon Fred combo was a bit of a surprise for them last year too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a comment I wasn't expecting. So where he said, you know. Uh, he compared playing Boucher at the five to them falling into Fred and DeLon in preseason last year, preseason game two. Um, and, you know, it was something that they just wanted to try, and then all of a sudden it ends up being the backbone of your uh, bench mob. So it's interesting to see what kind of something come out of that. Um, 
like you said, there's so many options uh, at the wing for the Raptors now. Um, you know, the fact that pretty much everyone on the roster now is a three and D guy, with the exception of CJ Miles. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of stuff he pulls out of the bag, um, how he runs the offense. If if it's if it's even more um, sort of democratic than last year and defensively I think is where uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, pressure on the ball you're going to see them trying to force turnovers and now they have the guys to do that as well um, whenever JV's on the court you can sort of have him stationed at the back protecting things back there and then you can have Kawhi and Danny Green and Kyle Lowry really getting up on the ball and uh, getting out in transition which uh, should make for some fun viewing for Raptors fans this year. Yeah, I think I'm really excited about that. I think the Raptors, like, N- Nurse keeps talking about playing in this up-tempo style and forcing more turnovers, and that's the most fun kind of basketball there is. So I'm really yep. excited about that. But um, I also wanted to mention this to you because this is a thought that's been in my head. Um, you'd think, like, automatically that Kawhi being the best defender on the team um, would be guarding the opposing team's best player. Mm-hmm. Um, every trip down the floor, but would it be more beneficial to have OG, who's also a great perimeter defender, or Green, whoever's on at the time, or whichever one you'd like, um, having one of those two guard the other team's best player, and then have um, Kawhi just kind of like surveying the passing lanes and like because he's really good at stealing out of the passing lanes um, if he's off ball, not directly on um, whoever the best player is. I've noticed that before, although he doesn't like. He didn't get a ton of opportunity to do that, or at least he hadn't in San Antonio because he usually was guarding the best uh, opponent's best player. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just a thought when you have a bunch of other guys who are also already great perimeter defenders, and somebody like OG who uh, is a great one on one defender, and he's you know he's going to be a sophomore, so like he's still learning a bit with some other things, and um, his off ball defense isn't isn't as good as his on ball defense. Whereas Kawhi's all around defense is already great, so would it be more beneficial do you think to have him play? Um, uh, almost like a LeBron James free safety-ish type role while you have uh, some of your other defenders on the primary option on the other team? Um, I think it would depend on who they're playing. I think just in general, uh, my personal preference is to have uh, your best defender, especially when it's someone like Kawhi, have him start out on the team's best offensive player uh, just because I think in on some level it does take away the aggressiveness of that offensive guy because mm-hmm. um, he's looking at Kawhi and saying okay well it's not the best way for me to get going right now so yeah. maybe I'll just <laughs> hold off for a bit um, so I think that takes away from the aggressiveness and maybe that person gets off to a slow start and then that makes it a little bit easier for someone like Danny Green or OG to step in later right mm-hmm. um, so you know again I, I wouldn't stick with that the whole game that would be just a start, just to set the tone for the game, and then you go to your OGs and your uh, Danny Greens, and then who knows, maybe if Norman Powell's back again this season, he's another option that you can throw in there. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely in favor of going with the best guy to start up, uh, especially now, you know, you've got Kawhi, so why not use him? All, all this time the Raptors have been looking for uh, that swingman stopper kind of guy. Uh, you look at the problems that they've had in the playoffs in the past with guys like Paul George and obviously LeBron and uh, even a guy like Bradley Beal. So uh, it'll be fun to be able to throw someone like Kawhi at, the, at those guys now. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, I agree with that. And uh, speaking of OG, um, he was kind of the focus at Summer League in terms mm-hmm. of um, trying out some different things. Um, they definitely had him playing with a higher usage rate. He was kind of the primary option for the first time, like in his life, it seemed. Um, I don't think he was at when he was in college, was he? Did you watch him in college? No, I saw him a little bit, um, uh, it, and that was just highlights too, but uh, I, I don't ever think he was ever a huge option, and even if he was, it wasn't for long because of the injury, right? So Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big college hoops guy, so I don't I'm always behind on that stuff. <laughs> Except for this year cuz uh well, I watched all of Wiggins this year and I'm going to be watching all of RJ Barrett at Duke. Yeah, for sure. Um but yeah, um, usually I know nothing about college. Um yeah, so they uh put a focus on OG and um specifically they had him playing at the 4 more to test that out and yep. had him playing in the post. Um so Nurse was clearly trying that out, which is why so many people are already uh, imagining the idea of OG playing on uh, the floor, and so you could also have Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard on the floor at the same time with OG. And um, I think I think that's interesting. I think that, like I said, I think that lineup is going to happen eventually. But I, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to start the season, Nick Nurse, with that lineup. Um, the only thing I worry about with that, even though OG, like like you mentioned, the piece he had like pretty good success down there, because um, he's like kind of. Um, sneakily he's a strong, strong guy yeah he's sneakily strong like he looks kind of wiry but like he's a pretty big dude yeah um yeah so i mean i worried a little bit about og playing the four like for a long part of the season just because like i, I worried about him getting worn down a little bit but like the more i think about it maybe there's just not that many of those type of guys anymore like bruisers to come in and if yep. if there was a bruiser coming in um to just bang around in the low post like i guess you know they could just switch switch og out and put somebody else in and mm-hmm. and do that for however many minutes that wants to happen but i guess there really aren't that many guys anymore i guess the, it's one of those parts of the league that's just changed now so i suppose that would be fine but like my immediate reaction was oh we can't have him down there all season long like he's just gonna get knocked around yeah i mean I do think certain matchups will dictate that he can't be at the four, but uh, you look at the two biggest matchups, you're looking at Philly and Boston in the East. Uh, Boston, most likely, they're going to trot out one of uh, Jalen Brown or Marcus Morris at the four. I don't think OG would have a problem with either of those guys. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Philly, they probably have Dario Sarge starting, uh, and they go from there. So, again, you know, if OG is starting at the four, I don't think he'd have an issue with any of those guys, um, at least physically. Um, that's why I think it was important to get that time in of him playing the four in summer league, even getting him some plays where he's able to go to work. I thought one of the really interesting things that Nurse said about that was just sort of the little things he can do to add points to his game, You know, whether it was getting out in transition, um, which he didn't do much of last year, or wh- whether it was you know a post up on a smaller guy off a switch, or even a putback, right? And it made me think back to um, I watched Shaq give an interview uh, years ago, and he was just talking about how uh, he would game plan uh, how to get his twenty five or thirty a night, and he was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get." two dunks in the first quarter, I'm going to get one push back, I'm going to get uh, a layup off a post-up, 
and then they're going to foul me a couple of times. And then in the second quarter, I'm, I'm in the game for four minutes, I'm going to do this. Uh, and he had sort of just done the math on how he was going to get 25, 30 points every night. And because he broke it down, it, he was like, it became so much simpler where, you know, in the first quarter, I've got to do this. Second quarter, I've got to do this. Third quarter, I've got to do that. Fourth quarter, I've got to do that. Um, and I think when you break it down like that, it does make things easier instead of just looking, oh, man, how am I going to get 30 tonight? Obviously, OG is not looking to get 30 a night. Uh <laughs> But, you know, for him to take that next step and get to, you know, maybe 12, maybe 14, um, that'd be a good step forward for him. So uh, those little things that he can do off, you know, without even being on the ball, um, I think that can that can take him to the next step offensively just to get some easier buckets, which forces teams to pay attention to him more and maybe get up on him more and maybe um, make his dribble more of a threat. So, I think there's a lot of, a lot to work with, obviously, with OG. Yeah, it's um, watching him continue to improve and just like grow as the seasons go on is going to be interesting because obviously he played his first season with the Rosen, and um, I know a lot of people were sort of concerned about the idea of continuing to go forward um, if, with the Rosen on the team and like maybe you'd be stunting OG's growth a little bit because DeRozan's on ball so much mm-hmm. and um, you know OG's shown flashes of a lot of things that he's just not like elite at yet or wasn't asked to do a lot of in his first season like he can take guys off the dribble um, and you know get to the rim and um, he's had a little bit of a tough time doing that consistently or um, finishing consistently but like he can do it um, the signs are there uh, especially as like he continued to like get his athleticism back throughout the season, right? Um, but uh, yeah, and and the same thing with like his playmaking or his off ball movement and and stuff like that. Um, and now we have you know Kawhi now on the Raptors, so uh, it's kind of going to be the same thing. Although like the window now is immediately like it's moved to okay, it's time to make the finals with this squad, um, yeah. if not win. So. Uh, it's kind of changed again, but like it's going to be interesting to see if if it does impact his growth there at all, or if he like still manages to find a way to do that. Because you know, on the team right now, he's not like one of the first few offensive options. Um, he's still going to be like you know need to hit his open three pointers, need to hit his shots from the corner, um, and like just kind of take guys off the dribble when he when he has that opportunity and um, kick it back out and stuff like that. So uh, I'm really interested to see how that works and like if he's able to maybe develop some new skills at the four this season uh, that he could use going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think um, at the four, he might not get the opportunity to go up against smaller defenders as much, but you look at the potential. um, If he does start at the four, then he's alongside Kawhi and Danny Green and Kyle Lowry. And so you look at the way Nurse could potentially run his offense, you would anticipate – other teams being forced into switches. Um, and so that's where he might get some opportunities to post up on smaller guys. That's where, um, and then even, you know, being at the four, if he's up against bigger guys, it, that's when he's able to maybe get out and beat those guys down the floor and get some easy transition buckets. So um, either way, there should be advantages for him on the court, whether he's going up against someone smaller or bigger. Um and yeah, it's just a question of how much he makes use of it and uh, how he's able to thrive off 
whatever uh, Lowry and Kawhi and uh, whenever Fred and DeLon are on the court, whatever they're able to create. Definitely. And you know what's interesting? One of the um, quotes you used in the article from Nurse was that, like, OG's not a, you know, they're they're planning on doing more um, getting out and running, like like we mentioned about um, tra- uh, getting into transition off of, like, turnovers and stuff. And mm-hmm. he mentioned that OG's not a great transition bucket maker yet. And mm-hmm. I was like, really? Because in my head, I thought, like, you know, OG in the open floor, um, in my head, I remember him just doing pretty well. So I went and, like, looked it up, and he was in the 39th percentile last season. So Nurse was right. Um, <laughs> and it's not like he was like at a super low frequency either like yeah it was like 20 something like early 20 percent so like he was getting some opportunities um but yeah i guess i just remember those like some of those really emphatic dunks and thinking like oh yeah og in the opening court like he can score on people he can dunk on people if he needs to like he gets up um but yeah i guess it's something he still has to work on and i mean like uh the starters weren't necessarily like their game plan necessarily wasn't to get out and run as much either uh compared to like the the bench unit so that's true too but um that i think that'll be like he's gonna get a lot more of those opportunities i think now with with Kawhi and with uh danny green and just more of a defensive minded unit to start off um i I was talking to somebody about like how soon we think there's going to be like a Kawhi to og alley-oop or vice versa (laughs) and i think i think it's probably going to happen in preseason yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I mean, that first game in Vancouver, September 29th, should be a ton of fun. That's the first look uh, that everyone will get of the Raptors, you know, in any kind of NBA action. So, uh, definitely looking forward to that one. Um, and that's, I think, you know, obviously everyone gets excited for opening night, but that first look and, you know, to entertain the fans that aren't in Toronto, I think that's always special. So um, hopefully there'll be some highlights. You know, I remember, I think last season or, oh no, it was the season before that um, when Kevin Durant had just signed with the Warriors. And so they went to Vancouver to play a game um, and the crowd was electric. Uh, so yeah. I, I think that'll be a lot of fun um, for sure. Yeah. Vancouver's missing... They're missing an NBA team, I think. A lot of fans there really want one again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at this point, you look at the success Toronto has had. Um, and, you know, if I think in some ways, if you can convince Kawhi to stay, that kind of helps Vancouver's case as well. Because uh, now you've shown that you can keep a superstar uh, in the city. Um I think for sure Vancouver deserves a team. It's just a question of what the NBA thinks in terms of where they're at with their expansions. And obviously, they're focused on uh, their deals with MGM Resorts and whatnot right now. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, you would think if if there was another team, maybe it's coming to Vegas or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, it, for sure. I mean, there isn't a reason. There isn't a good reason for Vancouver to not have an NBA team if you take out, you know, all the, all the business concerns uh, the NBA might have. Yeah, I think they might, uh, if they were to expand to, like, one or two more teams, like, it probably would be Vegas and, and someone. Um, yeah. But uh, I think if they were to do that, it would probably, like, come around the same time as a change of maybe the playoff format. Um, and, like, 
figuring out, you know, just having a better way to maybe add in more teams. Like, if you're gonna, um, if you're gonna do that anyway, and, like, add two more teams. Yeah. Maybe just, like, at the same time, you're gonna already, because they keep talking about changing the playoff format. Like, it's been such a discussion now for a few years that it's like, well. uh, Do you think that's coming? Um, I think eventually, yeah. I'm not sure exactly when. But mm-hmm. I, th- I do think eventually it's going to come. And I, I've seen some really cool ideas um, about what to do with it. But I think it probably will. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, like, the start to me was, like, the divisions thing, you know? The, um... um in terms of seating, you mean? Yeah, in terms of seating. Just, like, just getting rid of that. And yeah. I was like, okay, so basically... Like, we still have divisions, but to me they're almost, like, pointless. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... I think it's just like I think it's slowly starting to work its way up, but I don't I don't know exactly how it's gonna go, and there are a lot of cool ideas, so we'll just have to wait and see which one. But I think, I think it's gonna happen at some point. Yeah, I, I think more than anything, I just want to see uh, the first round go back to best of five. Yeah, it just seems so pointless. Where, I mean, obviously they want the revenues, but no team in the NBA has ever come back from an O three deficit. Uh, the likelihood of it, the likelihood of it happening with a one versus eight or a two versus seven, are just just that much more unlikely. So I wish we could just, if we got to that three zero, if we could just move on. Mm, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that fourth game when it's three zero is just is just so pointless. Yeah, there. I mean, and there's some cool ideas about like the eighth seed spot too. Like someone, like I don't know, it might have been Simmons or something, but someone talked about the like having a little like mini tournament or something almost the last few seeds to get that eight seed and then low has always been a proponent of like the first seed should pick their opponent they should you know they should get something for being the first seed right um and stuff like that so like there's a lot of different ideas floated around by a bunch of basketball people that are kind of neat but i i do agree that those first rounds like uh, one eight matchups are pretty they're usually pretty dull yeah um although you know raptors wizards wasn't that dull. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah, although it's probably just it's just a Raptors thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also wanted to mention uh, Alkins, Raleigh Alkins, in your uh, in your piece you brought up about him. He's now signed with uh, Chicago. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I didn't watch every single summer league game that the Raptors played, but mm-hmm. uh, I was impressed by Alkins when I did watch. Um, he's like tenacious kind of leave it all out there defender and he's a solid rebounder and he's athletic and strong and he looked like um he looked like a player you want to give a shot to like there are times where he looked like he maybe he shouldn't even be at summer league level like maybe he should be a step above um and i can't do you remember did uh chicago sign him to a two-way i believe they did yeah um and so i think at the end of the day that just came down to uh you look at the trade that the raptors made and you, with all the wings now, he just wasn't going to get an opportunity. Yeah, uh, and so you look at Chicago; they're sort of still in that rebuilding stage and still figuring out what's what. So you would think that he would at least think that he has a better shot there to prove himself and move up, um, move up the pecking order there. So uh, makes sense for him individually. Obviously, he, uh, he's at a point where he's trying to show that he can play at the NBA level. Um, let alone fight for rotation minutes. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's the right move for him. Um, and then from summer league, I think the thing that 
struck me the most is the fact that every time he spoke or just his demeanor on the court, he does not come across as someone who's just 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he plays with poise, he plays with maturity, uh, especially that game where he dropped the 25 points for him to just take over the reins late um, and kind of put the Raptors on his back a little bit. Uh, I thought that was really cool to see, uh, you know, you would expect someone like that to maybe uh, defer to other guys in that situation, but he didn't. So, um, yeah, he, he's definitely an interesting prospect uh, just because of his time in the summer league. I'll probably pay attention to see how he's going with the Bulls and um, if he, even if he plays for the Windy City Bulls, maybe catch, uh, catch him when they're up against a 905 and see where things go for him. Yeah, he looks like he might be another like dark horse steal like like a fred van vliet type steal um obviously like yeah yeah like like obviously like what van vliet became like no one was expecting that at all but like i think the tools are there for alkins though yeah for sure um you know he's he's not afraid to pull up off the dribble he can shoot on the catch uh he's pretty good at getting to the rim as well um and the one thing I liked was there were a couple of times where he drove to the rim where, and like a couple of times a game where he would drive to the rim and maybe he wouldn't finish, but he was not afraid to just stick in there and mix it up with the big boys and try to get that put back and stick in there. So um, that's something I like, you know, where guys aren't shying away from the contact or the physicality. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think he's going to be interesting to watch and see how he develops with the Bulls. Yeah, and it kind of, like, goes back to that idea of, like, Nurse just, like, being, allowing him um, to be, himself to be, like, experimental and um, trusting in guys. And, again, it's summer league, but, like, it's still nice to see that early on. And um, he did the same thing with Richardson, too. Uh, another player that, like, I think a lot of people, when he came over from Sacramento, they were, I, nobody was that high on him. Um, I think a lot of people were just like, well, you know, if the Raptors can turn Malachi Richardson into something resembling an NBA player, it would be like a miracle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he had he had some nice games in Summer League. Yeah, for sure. Malachi, again, this was, you're looking at a roster that was really bereft of three-point shooting, and he was one of the few guys that can uh, catch and shoot. Um, it was funny, you know, pretty much every press conference uh, that Nurse had after the game. He loves to say banging threes, and I kept thinking of Mike Breen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Malachi, uh, I think it was interesting that Nurse said, you know, they've got to get him up to speed defensively, but at least he is uh, sort of a slinger from the outside, so uh, that shows how desperate the Raptors were for some three-point shooting, um, at least on that summer league roster. Now, obviously, with the trade, things have changed uh, with the senior team. But um, yeah, Malachi, I, he didn't he didn't have a great uh, short period with uh, the 905 when he was there. Um, very inconsistent, um, struggled with his shot. Probably didn't shoot as well as he might have hoped. Um, but that's something that you know maybe now with a fresh start. Uh, he gets into the groove a little bit. Obviously, you know, mid-season trades can always be tough. So um, him sort of trying to fit into Stackhouse's system and also, uh, you know, joining a team that 
is known for winning, uh, you know, that can be a bit intimidating. So maybe now things will be a bit different where he feels a bit more part of the team and, uh, you know, maybe that summer league experience makes him believe that he can fight for Raptors rotation minutes. So, um, yeah, again, this is a guy that was a first-round pick, so obviously um, a lot of people saw him as someone that could be something in this league, and it's a question of him finding it and finding it with the right team because sometimes that's all it takes, right? Like having the right spot on the right team. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pulling for him. Um, just like I pull for almost any NBA player, especially uh, <laughs> especially players at, at that level when you just know like they just, they're just they doing anything to make it. Um the other thing about Nick Nurse was that I found a little funny. It was like I mentioned earlier about how you wrote about how he's uh, a little rusty, and that's part of the reason he went to summer league was like um, just to get himself used to the head coaching spot, um, right? You know, and get back into the groove of things, and because he spent so long on like as a, as an assistant on the sidelines and not able to make those final calls, mm-hmm. and and now he is, and now he has to, and so like taking the opportunity to use that as practice. Um, was good for him, I think, clearly, because as you wrote, like, um, there were, like, a couple times that he just, like, (laughs) just kind of messed up, and, like, he copped to it, which was really cool and refreshing. Uh, He didn't didn't blame it on anything else, Um, and uh, I think that's kind of good, you know, to, like, to get that out now, and uh, it definitely makes him come across as, like, uh, just a very, like, humble guy, which is, you know, immediately people will like him more because of that, um, and at the same time, he, like, was testing out things. Like, you mentioned that he was testing out a full-court press, and it worked for a little bit. The Raptors went on, like, a 9-0 run, and then uh, he took it a little too far, and he just he just went with it too long. Um, yeah. So there are things like that that he was, like, testing out, and he just um, he just was a little rusty. But it, it's cool to see him, like, even just do that, and then especially, like, talk about it. Like, he's just like, yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, just that sense of self-awareness, right, where he's not afraid to try something and say, hey, this is something that I've had in my head, I want to try it out, but also just having the self-awareness to say, okay, this isn't working, um, and now I'll know better for next time. It's important to have that as well, right? So uh, you brought up that. um, So there was the game against the Charlotte Hornets, um, tie game, Raleigh Alkins gets the ball, 8.3 seconds left. Uh, he's, you know, you, you probably anticipate the timeout being called right away, but he probably sensed, Nurse probably sensed a transition opportunity um, to get, to go at an onset defense. And so uh, Alkins went up the court and then the defense w- was, I guess, they were present enough to sort of deter Alkins and that's when the timeout gets called. Um and it was funny because the commentators were actually talking about how, okay, uh, the Hornets have a foul to give, so Nurse is probably going to drop two plays, you know, one um, to get that foul to give and then one after the foul to give to go at them. So if they anticipated it, but obviously Nurse didn't. Um, so they end up giving the foul to give, and then on the second play, they inbound to Marcus Teague, who just ends up jacking up a shot. Um which wasn't any kind of a good look. So, uh, again, it's good those things have happened in uh, Summer League, which is exactly why he signed up uh, to coach the team. Better make those mistakes uh, there or even in preseason. And then, you know, uh, I'm sure there will still be 
uh, some rust in the regular season just because everything will be uh, so much more intense and the attention to detail that's needed from regular season only gets cranked up in the playoffs. So we'll still see, uh, I think, some rust uh, that carries over, but it's good to see that stuff like this that you know he's reminded of and he can get back into the sw- uh, swing of things that much quicker. Yeah, and I, I I still like this pick for the Raptors head coach. I think I think he's the right pick. Um, even in even in hindsight with the Kawhi trade and stuff, um, mm-hmm. I I just think he's a great decision. I know there's a lot of people that are like a little concerned about it, but the main concern just seems to be that he was on Casey's staff for years, and there's not going to be any changes. But like that, you know, that argument doesn't hold much water. Like like people have mentioned, if you have a boss at all, <laughs> you'll know that. Like, if you were in charge and your boss wasn't in charge, like, does that mean things are going to be the same? Probably not. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I think I think he's uh, I think he's the right pick, and uh, I hope that uh, he's able to figure things out fairly quickly in his rookie season and doesn't, and doesn't catch that much flack um, for being a rookie head coach, because he will mm-hmm. be. So, and he's going to be under the microscope all year because he, he was brought in to deal with the micro stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know... That's what he's going to be under the microscope for. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope he has a good season. Um, I wanted to talk to you too, also about uh, um, just writing, writing in general, because that's uh, part of this podcast and yep. one of my favorite things to talk about with this podcast. And uh, a lot of people have different, uh, just just different things that they either they do, or they how they write, or um, how they go about finding ideas and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so, like this type of article that you've written is um, uh, has like several quotes, quite a few quotes in it, and this is something that always interests me the most because, uh, like, this article, for example, like the quotes fit in seamlessly; they work perfectly. Um, so, good job with that. And uh, I, when you're going about plugging in quotes, um, I'm curious about this. So, do you? Do you plug them in as you're writing, or do you plug them in afterwards, or do you have some other kind of process with uh, how you go about putting in um, the information you get? In general, I plug them in after. Okay. Uh, I try to tell the story first, and then, especially if I know I'm going to talk to the person, then you know I'll ask them based on whatever I've written, uh, and then just get their thoughts. Um, obviously whatever they say might add to the story or take away from it. And then I make changes accordingly. Um, but in this case, like for example, with the whole not calling a timeout, uh, a second timeout or, you know, not drawing up a second play, that kind of stuff. Like you see that happen in the game. So obviously, you know, that's something that's going to be talked about. So I guess you feel that extra freedom in writing about it right away. Uh, knowing that that's something that'll come up later. Um, yeah, but in general, uh, definitely look to put the quotes in after. Um, if if there's a certain situation where sometimes maybe I have a story in mind where uh, I'm going to interview someone, but then, you know, just from having a conversation, it goes completely, uh, it goes in a completely diff- different direction, which is much more interesting, then I just roll with it. Uh, and then, you know, and then you just rewrite and change things and, uh, make that piece work better, better just because uh, that's a more interesting story to tell. So, I don't know. I try I try to stay flexible with it, but uh, at the same time, going in, I do have 
sort of a plan A, just so I know what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I do the same sort of thing. I know some people do. Um, they'll have quotes before, or they'll have the quotes already ready to go, and then um, they'll kind of plug them in as they're going along. Um, <clears throat> but I've always done it afterwards as well. Um, I've just found it, like, uh, as somebody who went to school for English and, like, constantly had to be quoting texts, um, <laughs> that's exactly, like, how I would do it, is, like, I just construct my in those cases for, like, essays and stuff, arguments, and then um, you just kind of have in mind the kind of quotations that will go along to support your argument, and then you just kind of find them afterwards and plug them in. Yeah. And, uh, and and in this case, like, obviously quotes can be more important, but I find they're usually, like, best served as, um, like, flavoring to your article in a way, mm-hmm. where, like, your article is about whatever you're writing about, but the quotes just add that sort of legitimacy and uh, extra punch that you need. Um, in a lot of cases, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say with this, especially like just the topic in general, summer league, you know, I take the mindset that not many, not too many people are going to look specifically at my takeaways. So mm. I, I thought that's where it's important to have, uh, Nick nurse, uh, sort of express himself as much as possible. And cause at least then people can sort of glean their own opinion or not necessarily being overly judgmental and saying that, you know, this is sort of the be-all, end-all of what we'll see from Nurse going into the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also just curious about, like, um, the story aspect. So is this the type of thing, like, especially for Sportsnet, I've noticed, like, these are the type of uh, stories that you do a lot of the time. Where they're, yeah. they're more like stories, um, but like mini stories, but um, mm-hmm. sort of almost like in a way like like tiny features. Um, yeah. Are they are like are these like your favorite things to write, or do you like longer form stuff, like some of the stuff you do for Raptors Republic, or um, do you enjoy doing the like just articles where you they ask you to basically just dig into numbers and um, give stats about guys, or uh, what's your uh, what's your favorite go to type of article? I think I prefer the longer stuff that I do with Raptors Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, uh, at Sportsnet, it's sort of, you know, this is the type of stuff that their fan base looks for. Um, mm-hmm. um, and this is what gets the numbers, so this is kind of what I stick to. Uh, yeah. And they, honestly, when I joined the company, it took a little while to get used to just because my writing in general is pretty different from this kind of stuff. Right. Um so, yeah, I think at this point I found a decent mix between how I like to write it and what Sportsnet's looking for. Um, hopefully hopefully they see that too. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, if I had a personal preference on writing how I want to write, um, Blake definitely gives me the freedom to do that at Raptors Republic, um, regardless of how the comments go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's one of my rules that I adopted this season. I kind of had it before, but, like, didn't really follow it. But, man, this past season, like, never read the comments. It's one of my yeah. rules. I just, like, I think I get enough, um, criti- uh, like, positive criticism, um, <clears> worthwhile <throat> criticism from peers, like, on other, you know, who people who will just have read it already or, like, people on Twitter or other social media. Um, yeah. That, uh, that it's, that it's kind of pointless to go into the comments anyway because, man, it's just, like, it's just a sea of crazy in there. Um, yeah, I mean, 
some of the stuff, honestly, I, I still go back and look at the comments just because some of them really make me laugh. <laughs> uh, like I'm not, I'm not someone who takes it personal in any way. So yeah. Um, like I don't think anyone has beat. I, I, I probably shouldn't name the name either. I mean, I don't remember it anyway. But yeah. uh, the comment specifically, this was last season, mm-hmm. um, where someone said, "Vivek, just stick to making uh, like Subway sandwiches." Wow. Um, so. <laughs> wow, that's horrible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I find that stuff kind of funny. So, <laughs> I kind of look at it, just get a vibe of what people are thinking, and you know, if I, I think I do it more just to see kind of assess if i did a good job of conveying the message that i was trying to convey yeah uh, just to see if i've been able to get that across so if i see enough people that actually respond based on the message that i was trying to get across then i feel like i've done a good job i don't expect everyone to see it that way but if i if i if i at least get a few of them then uh then that's good enough for me that's fair i mean i got i think my craziest one was i got an email because, uh, like, like, I'd stop reading the comments, right? But yeah. I, I got an email last season from some some fan that, I, that I don't know, thought I was important in some way. And um, I, got, I got an email that I had... It was really was weird. Was this for player grades? Uh, I don't... I have no idea, because okay. he, he didn't really specify, like, if it was, like, which art, one of my articles it was. Um, yeah. But, like, it was just, like, from someone I don't remember, even remember their name, and uh, that subject heading was just it's time and uh, and i opened the email i was like i don't know what this is and it was just like a full like it must have been like at least like 400 words just a block text of like telling me about like like it's time to trade to rosen um and this was like way before like the off season or anything this was like when DeRozan was like you know he's playing amazing he's playing great and yeah uh, yeah it was it was kind of wild so um yeah, that's kind of the weirdest thing that happened to me this past season, I guess. Uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I got an email for uh, player grades once. Uh, like, they specifically uh, for mentioned the, for it? For the quick reaction, yeah. Wow. And it was something like, I think I gave JV a B, and they were mad that I didn't give at least, uh, like, a B plus or an A minus, and I was like, really? <laughs> You had to send an email for that. Yeah. The player grades uh, are always the most dangerous thing to take on. Because, like, no one's going to be happy. Yeah. There's very few people. There'll be a couple of people that are like, eh, those are pretty good. Good job. And you're like, oh, thank you. And then it's 95% of people just being like, all these grades are wrong. Yeah. And this, and I still remember this game because it was um, when the Raptors played the Pistons. And this was one of the few times that Drummond actually, you know, held his own against JV. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you remember that game from last season, but, yeah. uh, yeah. And so I gave JV, I think a B, mm-hmm. which for me was like, Oh, you know, we're so used to seeing JV get the better of Drummond and he didn't this time. So I'm not going to give him like an A or something. So, yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> I, I find it hilarious when they criticize you for, you know, just like one mark above where you're trying to go from a B to a B plus. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's part of it, but it's also like I think, um, you know, some if you get too in too deep into it, it just like it just bogs down, you know, your day and stuff like that. So, uh, I try to avoid it anyway. But um, some people are really good at handling that stuff. Uh, but yeah, 
Um, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, everything I think that I had. So um, yeah, if you want to go read uh, Vivek's article, it's on uh, Sportsnet. And then again, it's called "What We Learned About Raptors Nick Nurse at NBA Summer League." Uh, it's a good read if you haven't read it already. Um, go read that and uh, go read. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not, but I'll mention it again. Uh, the pod that never happened from last week uh, was about DeMar DeRozan, and we were talking about the uh, article from Raptors Republic called DeMar DeRozan Was a Shoe That Stopped Fitting. So if you haven't read that one either, uh, that's also up, and you can go read that now. Um, yeah, so I want to just thank you again for coming on, Vivek. I, I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything you have to plug before we go? Um, right now, not really. Uh, I'm actually just working on a bunch of soccer stuff because uh, the Premier League's kicking off uh, on August the 10th. Okay. And so, yeah, just working on some soccer stuff. It's nice to take a little break from basketball. So, um, yeah, that's what will be coming in the next uh, week or so. Awesome. Cool. Uh, so look for that. And um, in the meantime, uh, you can find this podcast, the Writer's Right podcast, on anchor.fm. Uh, no longer bumper.fm. Um, so we're trying this out for now. Again, it's kind of malleable at the moment. It might switch depending on how this goes. But uh, for now, anchor.fm. You can find all the old bumper episodes there as well. So everything up to episode uh, 13, which was the last one I did for the reaction to the Kawhi trade with Anthony Doyle. You can go listen to that now. Um, and you can also get the Anchor app and listen to the podcast that way. You can also follow the pod on Twitter, at writersrightpod. Uh, links to the episodes will be posted there and links to my guests articles and until then you can follow me at howvolution on twitter and you can find my own online work at raptors republic b-ball breakdown and uh, scene creek if you're into film stuff so thank you for listening and enjoy your day (laughs) 